Before we get started, before any of this starts, I'd like to remind you that you can experience an ad-free version of this by clicking the link in the description that says plus.acast.com slash s slash Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Exurgat Deus dissipantur de nemici eius, et fugianceo derenteu ma facie eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. What appears to be a full-out war is broken out in Culiac in Mexico, right across the border. The Sinaloa cartel the Mexican military, it appears, have been fighting for at least a day. <clears throat> if this did just start today, then as I record this, then this war is broken out on the, on the feast of the epiphany of our Lord. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangele, defende nos proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias diaboli est opraecidium. Imperetili Deus supplicas de precamur, tuque princeps militae calestis, satra malios que spiritus malignos que ad perditionem animarum pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum de trude. Amen. Coriesus agratissimum miserere nobis. Mater dolorosa, Ora pro nobis. <clears throat> o Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. <clears throat> LifeSite News um, did an interview with somebody who was talking about the violence on the other side of the border in particular because they were talking about its uh, relation to abortion. You're like, well, what does the Mexican drug war have to do with abortion? Well, it turned out that for every abortion committed in Mexico, and it's a one-for-one exchange on this, for every abortion committed in Mexico, the cartel murders somebody in the same manner, an adult in the same manner. And so when a body is dismembered in the womb, 
and thrown in a vat of acid to dispose of the body or whatever, then a body is dismembered of an adult and thrown in a vat of acid in order to dispose of the body. <clears throat> thrown out in trash bags, etc. One for one, the exact way that an abortion is conducted is the exact way that somebody is murdered in Mexico. <clears throat> now, Mexico as a location, I'm not going to talk too much about the country except maybe a little bit of the politics here and there as, as it becomes pertinent. But Mexico as a country is basically a channel. And most of us understand this, we know this. Hundreds of thousands of people every single month cross the southern border into the United States. They also simultaneously cross the southern border of Mexico, pass through Mexico, and then cross our southern border <clears throat> as basically a channel. Mexico is basically a multi-thousand mile long pit stop for people who are on their way to the United States of America without papers. They are aided and abetted by organizations such as Catholic Charities. Yeah, that's right, I said that. Catholic Charities, the, the actual organization, Catholic Charities, provides food, water, some hygiene products, etc. You know, a little packing kit that, they can, that, that people who cross the border can then board a bus with and travel across the country. They are processed by Catholic charities. So the Border Patrol captures them. They're, the ones that are processed are processed. And then Catholic Charities packs them up, gives them a go bag and a bus ticket, and sends them on their way. <clears throat> Hundreds of thousands of people. The low estimates over the last two years mean 4 million people have crossed the southern border. And those are the ones who make it. And those are the ones who were caught and tallied. Four million. Half the population of the city of New York. To put that in perspective. Or at one time it was half the population of the city of New York. Half the population of New York City. Crossing the southern border into the United States. Spreading out across the country to the various locations that they're headed in. And thereby basically causing a ridiculous amount of mayhem. And I think mayhem is the best word because not all of it's criminal, but it is highly disruptive. Towns that maybe have four, six, four, 400, 600, maybe 1,000, 1,500 people are now doubling and tripling and quadrupling in size. Why? Because of illegal immigration. Because supposedly... It's not just the state of California. It's not just the state of New York. It's not just Washington, D.C. that are the sanctuary cities. In point of fact, as soon as you point people in their direction and you start sending people explicitly to the places who've declared themselves sanctuaries for illegal aliens, they immediately start talking, this is a human rights violation, like what happened in Martha's Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard, on, the, on one of the signs outside of Martha's Vineyard, or right at the border, I guess you could say, of Martha's Vineyard, it actually explicitly says, oh, this is this is a sanctuary for people for the downtrodden. Until Florida Governor Ron DeSantis sends over 50-some-odd migrants, and then all of a sudden they call in the National Guard and they get those people out of there as lickety-split and as quickly as possible. And the, <clears throat> the perm-haired Karens 
declarative victory. Well, we don't have the space for those people. Obama's house alone could have housed the 50 migrants. And that would be Obama's house in Martha's Vineyard. You don't have the room? Are you sure about that? Now, this is not to waste time talking about, you know, people's hypocrisy. Because in all seriousness, it's not, that's really not the point. It's merely a feature, something that you also get to see. Four million people crossing the border means that there's four million people who have been taken for their money. Every one of those people that crosses the border is a minimum of $5,000 that goes straight into the hands of the cartels like the Sinaloa cartel. Some people crossing the border cost as much as $20,000 for the cartel to get them across. $20,000. Let's just take the low end of that number. Let's just say it was $5,000. $5,000 per person, 4 million people crossing the border. 4 million people crossing the border. At $5,000 a head is $20 billion. The Sinaloa cartel has actually taken in more money just from human trafficking, which is not their primary function, but they've taken more money just from human trafficking than I think Tesla made for the sale of all of their cars around the world. $20 billion. Is it any wonder that if you, and you can actually find this, um, the Mises Caucus, the Libertarian Party, I mean, they're Libertarian, so whatever, but but they're showing the videos. If you go to the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus Twitter account, which I believe, yeah, LP Mises, M-I-S-E-S Caucus, all one word. And you'll see video, the video of the Mexican Air Force firing an M134, otherwise known as a minigun, at a cartel convoy. You'll see video for a shootout at a checkpoint in Culiacan. You'll see the aftermath of a shootout between the Mexican Army and Sicarios. You'll see a video of the Mexican National Guard, house-to-house raids, vehicles burning in the streets, drone footage from Culiacan, supply lines being ambushed, Sicarios going into a hospital to, to kidnap doctors and nurses in order to serve as medics for wounded cartel members. A prison break coming out of Culiacan jail. Cartel members firing a 50 caliber Barrett at Mexican Air Force planes. You'll see a video clip of people try of people flying in an airline as they're being shot at by a 50 cal. Video footage. Mexican Air Force helicopters. Chaos in the streets. There's even a video of two Teenage boys, it looks like. And when I say teenage boys, I'm talking like if they're actually teenagers, they're like 13 armed in a car. And this is specifically a fight, a firefight that's continuing. Why? 
because apparently somebody went around, messed around and arrested the son of El Chapo. <clears throat> and the funny thing about it is, is we wouldn't even know about it. We'd have no idea if it wasn't for Twitter. And in this case, the Libertarian Party. I'm scrolling through these videos. There are a lot of videos. <clears throat> I mean, it is out of control what I'm seeing on here. But I want to point your attention to something that is really dangerous. Do you remember Gary Webb? Now, some some of the people listening to this program are going to be too young. I was very young when Gary Webb came out with his whistleblowing. But I'm just going to give you a brief synopsis. So, Gary Webb, in 1996, came out and he exposed how the CIA hired drug traffickers to sell massive amounts of cocaine in the United States in order to come up with untraceable money so they could finance a terrorist organization who was trying to overthrow the Nicaraguan government. And trying to overthrow the Nicaraguan government. They overthrew the Nicaraguan government. Now, the massive shipments of cocaine that the cartel was moving ultimately sparked the pandemic, the, the epidemic in inner cities that started crack cocaine as being a thing. Now, for those of you who understand, crack cocaine was like a major thing in the late 80s, early 90s. Brought to you by the Central Intelligence Agency. The opiate opiate, not opioid, opiate epidemic, heroin in particular, but opium, like legit opium, morphine addiction, etc., the development of fentanyl, all of that, for the most part, came out of Afghanistan. The raw materials for all of that came out of Afghanistan. <clears throat> Why is that important? Because what happened in Afghanistan? Oh, the military burned a bunch of opium fields, a bunch of poppy fields. Yeah, that's, that is true. They did burn a bunch of them. But the U.S. military didn't start burning them until 2009. And we didn't really start with any fervor, and I say any fervor, but, you know, we got a little bit of fervor, when I was serving in Afghanistan in 2011. But by 2011, the damage had been done. <clears throat> but back to Gary Webb. Gary Webb was debunked by mainstream media. They went after his career, destroyed his marriage. He kept fighting until 2004 when he committed suicide by shooting himself in the head twice.
That's right, he committed suicide by shooting himself in the head. Twice. Now, why is this important to be talking about on Radio Free Catholic? Well, I mean, obviously a drug epidemic does, should stir some movement in a Catholic's heart, but that's not really what we're talking about. What we're talking about when we get to talking about the cartels is we're talking about the war against Our Lady. See, most of the cartels um, have hitmen that are employed that that are basically recruited from MS-13. MS-13 is a well, for lack of a better description, I suppose you could probably just draw the line and say that MS-13 is a cult of Santa Muerte, which is a satanic cult that worships the inversion of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So, MS-13 is a direct attack on the Blessed Mother. Abortion is a direct attack on Christ and on the Blessed Mother. Specifically, the Blessed Mother under her title, Our Lady of Guadalupe. Where she appears, where she appeared to San Juan Diego as a pregnant woman, as a mother, pregnant with our Lord. Now, Mexico has been in a bad way for a very long time. They've never been a particularly incorrupt government. But what I've noticed is that since the Mexican Supreme Court struck down the laws banning abortion, the nation of Mexico has basically been in free fall. They've been in free fall with regards to the faith. They've been in free fall with regards to their society. Like, they, they, they are not doing particularly well. And no small part of this can be laid right at the feet of the Central Intelligence Agency. Now, I know what you're saying, but Caleb, I've seen the movie Sicario, and surely we're actually fighting against the cartels. You really think so? Because I think probably the most perfect symbol for the United States government would be the Arabaros, the snake biting its own tail. Where on one hand, we're doing the dirty deeds, and on the other hand, the same people who are doing the dirty deeds in another department within that, within that agency are, are fighting those doing, or claiming to fight those doing the dirty deeds. But if they were really fighting the people doing the dirty deeds, the Sinaloa cartel... Like, let's be real for just a moment. In 2005, you could have diverted one infantry brigade combat team and wiped out Los Setas and the Sinaloa nearly simultaneously. The problem is, is that this isn't 2005, this is 2022, 23, excuse me, and that was after eight years of Barack Obama and a group, a not group, a an operation called Operation Fast and Furious, a gun-running operation that sold American weapons to the cartels. 
American weapons to the cartels. Think about that. <clears throat> the FBI was selling weapons to the cartels. Under a Democrat administration. So I want you to look for just a moment as we now have a supposed Catholic in the White House who, in another story, was requested not to attend the funeral of His Holiness Pope Benedict XVI. And the reason why that's another story is because it would appear that the Vatican actually simply asked no head of state to officially attend. Actually, that is another story it's really not. Because the current Pope, in his Peronist way, did everything he could, could basically, without being too terribly overt, to show contempt for the funeral of Benedict XVI. This is the same Pope who authored Fratelli Tutti, who continually talks about how laudable it is to allow migrants into your country. Migrants, taking away the actual word that identifies them, which is illegal aliens. Countries across the West, in the United States, in Canada, France, Germany, England, Italy, etc., and I'm just going to say etc. because I could list all of them, but why, are undergoing an alien invasion of people who are not part of the culture and why is this happening well i think georgia maloney said it best georgia Mal excuse me georgia maloney the italian prime the newly elected italian prime minister who when it, when emmanuel macron tried to call her call her out she turned around and fired back and said these countries full of these immigrants or not even full of these immigrants, but are, that are flushing their immigrants out. Fourteen of these countries have their money minted by the French government. The French government has a deal where they get about 50% of all of the precious metals that are mined. And then she proceeded to show pictures of children working in the mines. And this is important because we're not talking about a normal mine. We're talking about one of these industrial mines where there's not supposed to be any human labor at all. But these mines have 15 and 20,000 people digging with their hands, what they call artisan miners, digging with their hands to get these materials out of the earth so that half of those materials could be shipped off to places like France so that the European Union can mint money for them so that they have European money to buy their, their goods and services with, that they're working their fingers to the bone, literally, in mines to provide. These people, in no, no joke, these people are in a condition such now where they would have been better as slaves in the 1800s. 
because the living conditions of the slaves around the world, even in the worst scenarios, were better than having children working their fingers to the bone in gold mines and diamond mines. The money that she showed and the child working in the mine that she showed were from Burkina Faso. So of course they're going to let the immigrants in. What they could do is they could allow these people to build their society. What they could do is they could send missionaries back into these countries. And I'm not talking about Protestant missionaries because Protestant missionaries have brought us what we have today in America. Because at the end of the day, no Protestant can lean on the fact that for 2,000 years the church has always believed thus. Because they, no Protestant church has existed for 2,000 years. But the Catholic Church, even with an apostate pope, can lean on the fact that the church for 2,000 years has always taught thus. It was believed by our Lord. Obviously, he's the one who taught it. It was believed by the apostles and the fathers of the church and the desert fathers and the scholastics. It was believed by the, by the fathers at the Council of Trent. It was believed by the fathers in the First Vatican Council. It was believed by the bishops in the United States of America as late as 1960. For 1900 years of unbroken lineage, the church has always believed thus. And that's the perspective that Georgia Maloney comes from because she is, of course, a Catholic. Now, Emmanuel Macron is supposed to be Catholic, but Emmanuel Macron promotes the French concept of laïcité, which is a, which is a concept from the Freemasons who overthrew the French monarchy in the 18th century. And so the travesty that's going on in Burkina Faso is a product of French Freemasonry. And the tragedy that's going on in Mexico right now is a product of American Freemasonry. There is a war going on at, 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 at our southern border. This is actually an existential threat to the United States of America. Because at some point it's going to get bad enough and we're going to have to close the border. And as soon as we close the border, then we effectively have declared war with the cartel. And we, given the military that we currently have, under that... You know, there fails to be an adequate descriptor of General Mike Milley. Mark Milley, excuse me. But this current iteration of the United States military, this current generation of the United States military will not and cannot do anything of any import 
Because at some point we're going to have to close the border. But is the military going to go down there to close the border? Somehow I doubt it because they're too busy selling guns to Ukraine. So what we have on our southern border is actually an existential threat to the continued existence of the United States of America. And yet... The apostate Catholic Joseph Robinette Biden is getting ready to head to the southern border. Is he getting ready to take care of this? Is he going to even look at it? Well, you already know the answer to that. Because it's the apostate Catholic Joe Biden who's decided to fully take on that this is the way to go. Go ahead and leave the border open. Go ahead and pay the border patrol rather than stopping people from crossing the border to expedite their crossing at the border so that they can go ahead and invade as illegal aliens other parts of the United States to contribute to the human trafficking problem that is principally funded by the United States of America. I mean, let's be real for just a moment. There is no Sinaloa cartel in the Mediterranean. Now, maybe some offshoot of Boko Haram or Al-Qaeda is is trying to fun, is funneling immigrants across the borders, you know, across the English Channel into Britain and across the Mediterranean into France or whatever. Maybe there's some offshoot of an organization out there. To, truth be told, I mean, it's hard to say. <clears throat> I have my doubts, but they are just that. Doubts. But I can point to the Central Intelligence Agency. I can point to the Federal Bureau of Investigation. I can point to Customs and Border Patrol. I can point to Catholic Charities. I can point to Joe Biden and his administration, the Department of Homeland Security, and all of them. I can point to them actually fostering the problem. I can point to the Department of Justice, the DEA, the ATF, and their operations that have actually armed the cartel with the weapons that they currently have, that they are currently outmatching the Mexican military with. I can point to everything that has brought this to our southern border. And I can point to the fact that on this same day, just moments ago, Kevin McCarthy was just finally elected the Speaker of the House of Representatives. And if he does nothing about this, then I can point to him and the swamp in the Republican Party who have failed to do anything about this. And there's only about 20 Republicans who were willing to stand up. And there were only about five who were willing to stay standing all the way to the end. But this is Mitch McConnell. This is Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy of the World Economic Forum. He's a Davos guy. He's also a California Republican. So exactly how good is he really going to be? Considering he comes from the same state as Nancy Pelosi. As, as Dianne Feinstein and Barbara Boxer. Such laudable members of the Democrat Party who have been principally responsible for flushing this country down the toilet. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I had to take a couple of days. And I think my guardian angel and our Lord kind of made the arrangement. I took a couple of days, mostly because of the death of the Holy Father, Pope Benedict. Just kind of seemed to strip away the things of import. But we're here at the feast, but I'm recording this on the Feast of the Epiphany, and we're crossing through into January 7th as I record this. This is a late-night recording. And quite clearly, God is telling me to get back to work with this stuff. Because this, right here, you remember... In previous podcasts, I've talked about the fact that the United States of America is not even really nodded to in Catholic prophecy. And this right here is an easy reason why. I'm not saying that it is going to be the reason, because in all honesty, I think what's actually going to come across America is going to be a calamity of such proportions that you're really not, like, we're not even really going to be able to fully comprehend what's going on with it. I think this is going to be a calamity of to such a degree <clears throat> It's going to be a calamity to such a degree that you're not going to be able to point to one thing. So this war on the southern border is going to be a contributor. Cartels like the Sinaloa cartel, Los Zetas, etc. MS-13. These are going to be contributing factors. Four million people flooding over the border in two years is going to be a contributing factor. Us importing 200,000 unvetted Afghan nationals at the close of the Afghan war is going to be a contributing factor. The fact that we're still bringing in people from Afghanistan, even through the southern border, is going to be a contributing factor. The fact that we have a ridiculously insane government 
with leaders like Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden, who have decided effectively that they're going to go full on with this anti-human World Economic Forum idea, and we're just going to keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. We're not going to, we're not going to drill for our own oil. We're not going to build nuclear power plants. We're not going to do any of that stuff. We're going to supposedly talk about nuclear fusion. However, I got to be honest with you, they're going to have to start selling. They're going to actually have to dem- have put out a demonstrator of one of these devices for me to even believe that they're not full of crap. Because right now they're holding out the hope at nuclear fusion, which, don't get me wrong, if it works, if it works, it's the end of energy dependence for anybody. It's not just a game changer, it's the game changer. Because if what they're saying is true, and this is going to be about the size of maybe a small trailer for for a uh, like a small trailer that that you would tow around with a, with a truck or maybe like the size of a rider box truck that means we can build ships that means you have a device that could power airplanes that means you have a device that you can literally that you can plug these in every so often on the electrical grid and you can physically electrify the roads and run electric cars ad infinitum. This makes electric cars, electric trains, electric planes, electric boats possible within a couple of years. This is not a small deal. Nuclear fusion, a nuclear reactor the size of a box truck, roughly equates to the end of poverty itself. But it has to not be a lie. And that's where you run into the issue because it's probably a lie. And more than that, it might be too little too late. This would be a contributing factor as to why the United States doesn't play a role in Catholic prophecy. This right here. The fact that our economies collapse and we're printing money like it's going out of business. Like, no joke, in all... Let me just be real for just a moment. I wish I had the authority to fractionally reserve lend. Because that would mean every payday, I would, you know, take in roughly $2,000-ish. And then I would fractionally lend out another 19... Or an, another... Basically, I'd lend out $18,000. So I'd lend out $20,000 for the $2,000 that I, you know, that I have. And this would, of course, repeat every few weeks or so. And I would eventually be getting this money back. In fact, I could take it actually a few steps further. 
you know, I could save some money and then just loan out really big chunks and then cash and then take that and, and loan that money out, but loan it out into, you know, cryptocurrencies and then cash out of those cryptocurrencies and turn around and lend out again. I mean, I could put this in a vicious cycle where I could be a billionaire in a month. If you gave me 30 days to fractionally reserve lend, I'd be a billionaire in a month. I'd be a trillionaire by the end of the year. Multi-trillionaire. My business would be personally larger than Apple. It wouldn't be real. But somewhere in there, I'd be able to afford to donate bunches of money to politicians to make sure that I could never had to stop fractionally reserve lending, even if it was lending to myself. But their little spending policy, all that stuff going on with the Fed, all the stuff going on with the banks and with Congress and their inability to close the wallet and put the wallet back in their pocket... They're fetish with Ukraine. All of these things are going to contribute to the fact that we're, to the reason why we're not actually playing a role. And as I'm looking at all of this, I got to tell you, point blank. <clears throat> the circumstances appear to be lining up. I don't think I've ever looked at the world and then balanced it off of what uh, the St. John's Apocalypse and found more tangible reasons to believe that things are coming to a close quickly. I don't know if it's going to be the end. Well, I I will know the moment Enoch and uh, uh, the moment Enoch and, and Elijah show up to preach. That's going to be the end of it. Then I'll know, okay, we're, we're down to it. In other news, there's a Catholic rapper named Enoch, and he released a single collaborating with Elijah. Enoch, E-N-O-C-K, Enoch. But it does some really good music. It's actually quite... Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of rap that I used... Like, I'm, I'm nowhere near the, the fan of rap that I used to be back when I was younger. <clears throat> but as a lyricist, he's actually... He's, he's really, really exceptional. I would recommend that you go take a listen. Go take a listen. Listen to the new single that dropped this week from Enoch featuring Elijah. Heavenly Father, have mercy. You can Google it. You'll find him. He's on YouTube. Every single thing. It all seems to be falling into place.
Now, since we're talking about that, and I've got a few minutes left, a few minutes, I've got about 20 minutes left, plus or minus. When I first heard about Marie-Julie Jehenny, uh, who Taylor Marshall actually referred to as uh, Maria of La Fraude. Um, he recently did a podcast on the Three Days of Darkness, and he got a lot of stuff, but it looks like he just kind of got a cursory overview, and he didn't re- he didn't really do any deep digging. And I'm not going to hold him, really not going to hold it against him, because he covered a bunch of stuff in that podcast talking about the Three Days of Darkness. It's weird that I'm going to find myself on the same side as Medjugorje when I say this, because I still, I'm not convinced by Medjugorje. Um, the, the three days of darkness and the warning that was Blessed Marie Julie Jehenny, that was Anna Maria Taigli, Taigi, excuse me, that was the children of Medjugorje, that was the children at uh, uh, Garabandal. The Three Days of Darkness and the Warning, the chastisement, this stuff goes back a good bit. It goes back hundreds of years. <clears throat> now, the thing is, is that there's there are a little bit, there's some changes here and there between, like there's some details that change. So like between Garabandal and uh, Blessed Marie Julie Jehenny and Anna Maria Taigi, um, there's there's some minor details that change and you can kind of set that aside and be like well which one is true that's not really how this works catholic prophecy when it comes when it particularly when it comes to chastisements and things that are happening in the future every single one of them is actually conditional if the Pope does this, then this will happen. If the Pope doesn't do this, then this will happen. If the faithful do this, then this will happen. If the faithful don't do this, then this will happen. Then, then, this, then this other thing will happen. And what you get is as each of these drop, as each one of these show up and, and are promulgated and talked about, things happen to slightly shift some of the details here and there. But there are things that stay the same. There is a warning that either immediately precedes or shows up right actually. I think it's it's either immediately preceding the three days of darkness, it operates in tandem with the three days of darkness, or the three days in dark of darkness actually are the warning. And depending on where you go and who's talking about it, it'll shift a little bit here and there. But the three days of darkness is a thing. What concerns me is that the three days of darkness... Well, let me pull this up. From from Blessed Anna Maria Taigi. There shall come over the whole earth an intense darkness lasting three days and three nights. Nothing will be able to be seen, and the air will be laden with pestilence, which will claim mainly, but not only, the enemies of religion. It will be impossible to use any man-made light during this darkness, except blessed candles. 
He who out of curiosity opens his window to look out or leaves his home will fall dead on the spot. During these three days, people should remain in their homes, praying the Holy Rosary and begging God for mercy. All the enemies of the church, known and unknown, will perish over the whole earth during that universal darkness, with the exception of a few whom God will soon convert. The air shall be infected with demons who will appear under all sorts of hideous forms. Now this stays basically the same between Blessed Anna Maria Taigi and Blessed Marie Julie Jehenny. It changes a little bit with Medjugorje. This stays basically the same, even talking about it with Garabandal, but they don't they don't get as in deep they don't get deep as deep in the details. Maria Julie Jehenny actually takes it further. She describes how this how the night will be illuminated with a blood red light. The skies will be blood red. She describes some of the demons. She describes illnesses that are going to overtake people during this time. Garabandal adds another element. I think it's Garabandal. I could be mistaken. <clears throat> but there's another element added to these from, from, one of the other, from one of the other prophecies talking about the three days of darkness. After, after the three days of darkness, when and one of the things that, that shifts is that it's not three days and three nights. It's the evening and the morning, the evening and the morning, the evening and the morning. So it actually comes out to the three days of darkness begins overnight on the first night. And then two, and then two full nights. And then on the morning after the third day. Evening in the morning, evening in the morning, evening. It comes out to basically three days and two nights. Three days and two nights, three days and three nights. Um, what I think actually is going on there might be the difference between calculating it three days and three nights versus three nights and three days. The language is, I mean, keep in mind, they're all translated into English, and so there's a certain change of idiom that might actually make the difference here. I was contemplating this, and I was like, wow, if that's actually what happens, then there's something that's not spoken. So I'm going to talk about it, and then I'm going to, I'm going to talk about what I was meditating on for these last few days. And then I'll tell you what I was told. The enemies of Christ will be struck down during the three days of darkness. If you get a little too curious and you poke your head out the door, you will die. You look out the window, you will die. God's wrath will kill you just by looking at it. The enemies of the church will die. Everyone who curses God in their heart will die. Some estimate, some estimate three quarters of the world's population. And I talked about this a little bit. 
But I want you to imagine the sun finally comes up and gives its light. What does that look like? That looks like if I try to go to work, there won't be anybody there. There might be two or three people at my job. The place where I work is decently large. Everybody else would be dead. That means on the way to work, there's a non-zero chance in the very short distance I have to drive down the interstate that there will be tractor trailers either on the side of the road or burning and blocking the streets. See, when this pops off, it pops off all of a sudden. And truckers will probably get hit first, at least the ones who are on the road at night will probably get hit first. Because all of these say that this, this is actually, the three days of darkness actually start at night. So a goodly portion of the trucking industry is going to be annihilated, in America at least, because a lot of truckers drive overnight. There'll be other people who will probably be driving in their cars. Cars off to the side of the road. People, if they even get off to the side of the road, maybe maybe they see something, they slam the brakes, they open the door, they try to run away, and they die. In an apartment building where everyone basically is an enemy of God, say you got two or three hundred apartments, families, men, women, and children, no one's to be spared. That means waking up to the sound of crying babies and crying children whose parents died in the middle of the night. That means stepping out three days later. And finding children hiding in their homes. Some of the prophecies of the three days of darkness talk about how it'll even it'll even kill the animals. Some of them don't. They don't. They, they either they they don't mention it. <clears throat> but if you can't go out of your home, and this is something to consider, if you can't go outside your home, but you've got cattle, 
and I've driven past pastures where the cattle are out even in the middle of the night. non-zero chance all of them will be dead. They talk about fire falling from the sky and consuming <clears throat> consuming the crops. After the three days of darkness, if this actually comes to pass in a very literal sense, and this is not all metaphor, and there's a non-zero chance that it's not all metaphor, pretty high likelihood that it's not all metaphor, then you're talking about bodies in the streets, you're talking about burnt crops, you're talking about dead animals, you're talking about everything. Then unless there's some semblance of divine intervention to clean up the mess, Within a week, you're talking about the stench of death and decay covering the whole earth. You're talking about whole cities becoming morgues. With nothing but the flesh of the damned decaying in the sun. If it were to pop off in the day, let's say it pops off in a school day, what do you think is going to happen to all of those people who were at school? The people who don't have enough food and water. That they're forced to try and go out and find something. They will die. When I was first introduced to these prophecies, I was very much horrified. And what's funny is I was meditating on, on all of this. This is actually after several years of studying them. And for some strange reason, from basically 2018 until today, until this last week, it never occurred to me that the three days of darkness is going to leave corpses all over the street. That we're literally talking about a, a, an aftermath that looks something akin to I Am Legend or The Walking Dead. And I don't mean akin to The Walking Dead with zombies creeping through the grass or whatever. I don't think that's actually the case because I'm pretty sure somebody would have said something about that one. But in those early seasons, in the, in the early seasons of The Walking Dead, where they're walking, where they're basically setting the groundwork up and you see bodies lying in the streets and you see just death and destruction, but there's nothing. There's an eerie silence over everything. That's the beginning of it. Then there's the death and the decay. Then there's the, the disease and the pestilence. Because those who will remain will be a minority. But what are you going to do about all those dead bodies?
If you live in a city of 50,000 people, 100,000 people, and there's only a few hundred left, what are you going to do with all the bodies? Where are you going to find the food? What happens next? When I first heard of these, I was still, I guess you could say really, really early. I'm still kind of early in my faith walk, um, but really, really early in my faith walk. I was still very much following the habitual sin, blind spots like you would not believe. There was so much stuff I wasn't even aware, like or I was aware but didn't understand the ramifications. I mean, there was so much. The difference in my outlook between then and now is actually almost, it's almost two completely different people over the course of the last four years. When I first heard about the three days of darkness, this was a thing that was terrifying to me. When I look back at the texts and I reread them and I'm looking through the prophecies now terrifying isn't the word I think there was something intrinsic where I knew like I was working my way working my way we're working my way but there was something intrinsic where I knew I didn't have the disposition to be saved if the three days of darkness would have popped off four years ago, I'm pretty sure I would have gone to hell. I would have been immediately destroyed and gone to hell. Despite the fact that I was a practicing Catholic, it was early enough in the practice and I'd known little enough about the faith, particularly about, you know, virtue and the actual practices of the faith and the reasoning behind most of the rules and laws and all that stuff. And I'm still going, to be sure. But when I sit now and I look at the three days of darkness, I don't see terror. I see horror. Not an existential terror that threatens my very that threatens everything that I know and love, but a horror at what the aftermath is gonna look like. I would prefer to die before this happens and pass on to my eternal reward than see the aftermath of the three days of darkness. Forget about the three days of darkness themselves, whatever. I, I could care less one way or the other. The demons want to come, let them come. I've, I've been dealing with them long enough <clears throat> that that doesn't phase me the same way I think it would phase a lot of people. Don't get me wrong. It phases, but it's certainly not the same phase. It doesn't phase me the way it would have five years ago. It doesn't phase me the way it would have 10 years ago. It's a different, like it's a different thing now. 
But I look at it now and I, and I dread walking out my door on day four. And seeing houses burned to the ground and cars just stuck in the street and dead bodies half sticking in and out of their doors or whatever. And the children who are left over. Who will likely be without their parents. That's actually the thing I dread now. It's not the three days of darkness themselves. And they are terrible, to be sure. But it's after. Because something like that, unless it comes with a universal illumination of conscience, so that people know and understand exactly why it happened. I mean, talk about having to pick up the pieces. And what pieces? If Xavier Aral is correct, then it could be as soon as after Candlemas this year. Let me say that again. If Xavier Aral is correct, if he if his suppositions are correct with what he was talking about with uh, John Henry Weston on LifeSite News. And you can see his interview on LifeSite News. It's a very good interview. Um, if he's correct, then the three days of darkness could happen in as early as three weeks. Four weeks. And the reason why I say it would probably be four weeks is because I have a hard, I really honestly do have a hard time believing that our Lord would do that before we had an opportunity to get our candles blessed. Now, I'm not saying he is, but it's possible. Let me say that again. I'm not saying that Xavier Aral is correct. I don't really honestly know. <laughs> this is the kind of thing where we don't really know the day or the hour, but you can read the signs of the times, and the signs of the times say that whatever's happening is coming quickly. So in as early as four weeks... This may happen because the prophecies also include that it's during a cold and unusually cold part of the spring. 
and February, Candlemas is typically, at least in the north, the coldest day of the year. Candlemas of 2013, where I was at, it was the coldest day of the entire year in Fairbanks. It was minus 60 that day. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen worldwide. So I would advise, get your candles blessed. Go to Mass on Candlemas. Go to confession. Make a good confession. Get in a state of grace. Do yourself a favor and score yourself a few plenary indulgences along the way. For yourself, make sure your children do do the same, that they that they do what is required to receive a plenary indulgence if they're old enough to receive the sacraments, meaning specifically, obviously, Holy Communion. Clear the docket. Do what you can to clean the ledger of your debt. And be ready for a wild ride because it's fitting to get wild. Because the illumination of conscience is supposed to accompany it, either immediately before, during, or after. Where everyone will know exactly where they stand with God. They will see their souls the way God sees them. There's a lot of stuff I really don't want to see us go through. And for all the people who are like, oh, it's going to get bad, oh, it's going to get bad, oh, it's going to get bad, I honestly don't think you really know how bad it can really get. I don't think you've seen the level of death, destruction, and mayhem that could really put this all in perspective. Because I'm not talking about fire from the sky although there will be that. Merely trying to illustrate that which I've actually already seen on this earth and then multiplying it and magnifying it to the point where you can see it, you sense it, you get a real sense of what's actually going to happen. Not to terrify you, so that when it happens on some level you'll be ready that's it you have the things that you need in a state of grace the sacramentals needed to protect yourself the faith and the willingness to get on your knees and pray hopefully coming out of it the determination to do what has to be done afterward 
And I'm not talking about the determination, oh, we have to rebuild. Eh, I mean, that's going to sort of come along with, that, that just kind of accompanies everything else. We don't have to rebuild. We're going to rebuild because that's just what we do. But the question actually is, are we going to rebuild from a standpoint of staying within God's grace? Because if the answer is no, then don't even bother. Because you're going to be ill-equipped to deal with all of the things that we're going to have to deal with. And I, I legit, I just wouldn't even bother. <clears throat> It'd be foolish. But if you do have the wherewithal, and emotionally you're not ready for it, you're going to fail just as much. These are unprecedented times. And we should be doing unprecedented amounts of prayer and fasting and penance. So pray, fast, do penance. Put yourself in the mode where you where your life is a life of prayer, fasting, and penance. Where you just sort of slowly dial up the mortifications. You know, <clears throat> if you've only ever done the standard post-Vatican II fast, then maybe you knock out one of the snacks to kind of dial it up. You don't hey, we're just going to go into a black fast and it's only going to be water all day. You don't just jump right into that, but maybe you go from you know a meal and two collations to a meal and one collation. And then maybe instead of doing a meal, and then instead of going from one collation and a meal, go drop the meal and do two collations. And then maybe, you know, and then when you get accustomed to that, then, you know, maybe drop one of the collations from there. And then when you've gotten accustomed to that, then maybe, then, the black fast. Step by step, piece by piece. Maybe you don't fast for three days straight, but you, maybe you do a black fast for one day. You know, if you're already doing, fa if you're already doing the standard thing, if you're already doing like the standard type of Catholic fasting, then maybe you do a black fast for one of the days that you would normally do, like a Friday. And then eat a normal meal on, and then eat normally on Saturday. And just dial it up a little bit at a time. You pray your rosary and then maybe pray an, an hour of the office. Wake up in the morning 20 minutes earlier and pray an hour of the office and then pray your rosary in the afternoon. And then when you get used to that schedule, then, you know, you pray an hour of the office in the morning and then in the afternoon when you come home, you pray, you pray the rosary and then you add vespers. 
just a little bit by a little bit. Small steps. You've gotten accustomed to this, okay, add one more. You've gotten accustomed to this, okay, add one more. If you do that, like no joke, if you do that over the course of a year, two years, by the time you finish two years, like you're at heroic levels. You're already, like, you're much, much better off. You're much, much, you won't even really notice it. You'll just be there. There was a day of fasting. I don't remember what the day was. It was recently. But there was a day of fasting where I did not know that it was actually traditionally a day of fasting. And when I found out, and this isn't bragging, like, I truly, like, when I realized what it popped into my head and heart and actually thought about what my reaction was, I was stunned. Because it didn't occur to me that, like, that was going to be a thing. Oh, Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, a traditional day of fasting. And I read it, and I was just like, I would be glad to do that. I'll absolutely do that. I saw an opportunity to do something more than what I was already doing, and I looked and I stunned myself because I gotta be honest with you, I look at it like I look with trepidation at the Ember Days. I go, Oh, it's oh it's Ember Wednesday. Oh no, I'm not ready for it. Oh, it's Ember Friday. You know what comes after Ember Friday? Ember Saturday. Ah like that's my normal reaction. Had been my like just like, oh no. I mean prior to it was my my reaction to finding out it was an Ember Day was usually with a burger with a cheeseburger in my mouth. So like I was like, oh it's an Ember Oh, oh it's an Ember Day and I'm oh and I'm eating a freaking double bacon cheeseburger right now. Oh, Lord, have mercy, help me. That was the way it started. And then... <laughs> and then I'd be like, oh, it's Ember Wednesday. Oh, and I was looking forward to going out and having this. Oh, why? That's my normal response to the Ember Days. Like, oh, seriously, Ember Friday and Saturday? Why'd you have? Why, Lord, did you have to put them back to back? Like, come on, couldn't you cut me a little bit of slack? I mean, that was no, like that legit. That's my normal reaction. It was my reaction this past Advent. And then there we are, Christmas Eve, and I look and I go, oh man, I, oh yes, I will absolutely not eat it. I will. <clears throat> I mean, you know, I'm not going to go black fast, so we're going to drink coffee all day. But I would absolutely do more. Totally out of, like, way out of my norm. <laughs> like, totally not my thing. The, um, like, in all honesty, like, thinking about it, it's actually quite embarrassing what my normal... When you compare my normal, we're like, oh, no, no, please, no, to yes, absolutely. And then I look at the, oh, please, no, and I'm like, wow, really, that's your... Like, that was your thing. Like, I wish I could just go back in time and just slap myself, but, you know, it is what it is. It's, what's done is done. I can only move forward into the future and pray that I don't have that response, you know, in the Ember Days that are coming up this spring. <laughs> but I know that if I can get to the point where when I look at an opportunity to fast and I go, yes, I will absolutely do that for you. 
God, I would absolutely fast for today. Like when I wake up at like, like when I, when I have that response, me who used to describe myself as someone who could fight anything except temptation. If my weak hearted behind could do it, you can do it. And it would seem that we don't have that much time to move in that direction. I was calculating years, it might only be weeks. But even if it's tomorrow, if you're in a state of grace, you can look at it and go, come Lord Jesus, your will be done. It's really not about us. And you can mean it. And in meaning it, you can consider that a mark of salvation. Because like I've been saying, it's all about the salvation of souls. And we're not going to get our salvation because Kevin McCarthy is the Speaker of the House. We're not going to get our salvation because Matt Gates fought the good fight. And he did fight a good fight. Hopefully it pays dividends. It would be nice if it paid fruit. If there, were some, if there were some good fruits to come out of it, that would be nice. It would be praiseworthy, both, both to his credit and also praiseworthy to God. Because it's God who actually makes it bear fruit. Him for stepping up to the battle. God for actually providing the grace. It might not even be enough. I mean, this... I can think of nothing that would make the whole this whole conversation more moot than them just finally electing the Speaker of the House and then in four weeks... Because keep in mind, they're supposed to go to on recess for three of those weeks. And in four weeks, then you have the three days of darkness. Okay, cool. That was like you fought the good fight for nothing. Except for the motive. All of these things are vanity. When we're talking about politics and we're talking about things going on in the church, things going on in the church is not the same as the things that are going on with your salvation. Things going on in America are not the same as the things that are going on with the salvation of your children. Even that which is going on with your parish priest is vanity compared to to the condition of your own soul. The Holy Father basically denigrates the late Pope Benedict XVI by his treatment of the funeral. And that means nothing 
compared to the salvation of your soul. So you can be insulted and you can get, and you can be horrified by the fact that, you know, they didn't put the pallium on, 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 you know, around Benedict's neck and over his shoulders and draped him like the bishop he was. You can get offended by that. Or you could remember to pray for Pope Benedict to make sure he gets into heaven. One of those two things is going to help the state of your soul. It's going to help you remain, remain in and fortify the state of grace. And one of them won't. It is important to be an active person in your community, to fight for the things that are right and good and true. But you must also remember that in that fight is vanity. Not to say that it's self-interest or anything. I'm not talking about like the narcissistic aspect of vanity. I am talking about the vaporous nature of of the things that we do on this earth. And so you can fight the good fight all day long. You can fight to make sure that there's no transgender agenda in your schools, although it would be better to just get your kids out of school and teach them yourself. But you could fight that fight, but that fight is vanity compared to the condition of your soul. It's vapor. It passes away. It is here one moment and gone the next. Vanity in that aspect. You can make a million dollars, and that's vanity. You can hit the lotto, and that's vanity. You can get promoted at work, and that's vanity. You can get a new job, and that's vanity. You could finally be able to afford to put food on the table, and even the ability, the capacity to finally be able to put food on the table for your family, for your children. Even that, compared to the salvation of your soul, is vanity. And you know it's vanity when death comes knocking at your door. Because when death comes knocking at your door, nothing matters. Nothing matters but the salvation of your soul. And that's the proof. When death comes knocking at your door, when death comes for you, the condition of your soul is the only thing that matters at that point. It's not about how rich you are, how many cars you drive, how many houses you own, how many banks you can bust. It doesn't matter if you won the debate at the school board. It doesn't matter if you won the election or lost the election. None of that matters. None of that matters. They're all good things to fight for. Those are all good things to work towards. Those None of those things are intrinsically evil. But every single one of them doesn't matter. 
the moment you die. The moment you die, the only thing that matters is whether or not your life merited the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's it. So fight the fight, to be sure. Prepare your household, to be sure. But never forget that when the Grim Reaper comes knocking, all of that crap ceases to matter. And the only thing that matters is what should have mattered while you were fighting all of those fights. Are you in a state of grace? Are you praying? Are you doing the corporal and spiritual works of mercy that our Lord taught us? Are you fighting the good fight? Do you still have charity in your heart? Because if any of those answers are no, I don't know what to tell you. Pray for the repose of the soul of Pope Benedict XVI. And for all of the faithful departed. In fact, actually, let's do this the easy way. Fidelium animae per misericordiam Dei, requiescat in pace. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. Pray for the church, pray for the nation, and get your butt in a state of grace and stay there. In nomine Patris et Filii, Spiritus Sancti. Amen.